If you have your Bible with you this morning, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, looking at verses 24 to 25. And as our kids head out and you begin to find your way to Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to watch this video as an opening illustration for our sermon this morning. make a big thing. I was just thinking about you and your father and, you know, why you got so angry about it. Because it's none of his business. Why don't you go to church? I don't know. I, it's, it's because of the kneeling, really. It's just, you know I have bad knees. You know, God can hear you right now. Let me finish. All right? That's not the only reason. That's it's one of them. All right, listen. When I go, when I go there, I should be thinking about God, right? But instead, I'm thinking about some column I'm working on. Uh, what's up with this guy's scalp? Oh, oh, that lady sneezed. I'm not shaking her hand. I'm not focused. I, I feel like I'm just going through the motions, and that's that's not respectful, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you shouldn't go if you're just going through the motions. What are you doing? What? I'm agreeing with you. No, you're, you're trying to make me feel guilty. No, I'm not. Yeah, just like my mother. Why do you have to insult me? <laughs> We're talking. And besides, you're the one that had to eat a whole pint of ice cream. If you're feeling guilty, it's not because of me. Let me tell you something. I practice being a good person every day, okay? I'm a decent fellow. I, I do good things. I, I, I always leave a big tip. If a, if a squirrel runs in front of the car, do I not swerve? I, I'm considerate of people's feelings. Remember the plumber who came over with the big eye? I treated him like a completely normal person. Okay, so, so, so. Why do I have to go to church every Sunday to prove my goodness? I'm living it. Well, you know, since you are so good during the week, maybe on Sundays we should have everybody come over here and sit around you. Okay, all right. Why, why do you go, Miss Holy Moly? Why do I go? Yeah. I go, you know, to thank God for you and the kids and to pray for the strength to get through another week with you and the kids. Okay. Yeah. No, but right. no, really, you know, I, I go to get re-energized, to be part of something that's bigger than me and my little problems. You know, it reminds me that I'm not the be-all and end-all or something out there that's greater than me. Why do you have to have an answer for everything? And, and you know what else? I like the feeling of community, the tradition. And I think that's what's bugging your father. You know, he wanted to pass his faith on to you. It's probably the only valuable thing that he thinks he can give you. And you've rejected it. Okay, I need more ice cream. <laughs> All right, fill in this statement for me. Fill in the statement. I attended church today. I attended a church gathering 
I'm watching church online because dot dot dot. Why are, why are you here? Uh, for some of you, you may be here because this is just what you've always done. Like it is tradition. It is built into your life that on Sunday you're going to be there. And that was true when you were a little kid and it remains true as an adult. Some of you are here because these are your people. You love to see your people. You love to connect. You love the community and being able to see people you don't see at other times during the week. Some of you love music. Like the idea that you would be able to celebrate, that you would be able to hear the instruments and be a part of the music, you love that. Some of you, you love to study. You just enjoy research. You're fascinated by the Bible. You believe the Bible is the truth of God's word and you want to know it more. And so you come because you enjoy the Bible study and the, and the sermon. Some of you come because you're looking for purpose and direction in your life, and you've tried a lot of other things, and it hasn't taken you in the right direction, and you need purpose, you need meaning, you need something to live for, and so you're trying out this church or Jesus thing. For some of you, you're here this morning because you're in pain. Relational pain, physical pain, emotional pain, you're in pain, and you're crying out to God and say, God, I just want to put myself in a place I need you. Like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this next week without you. And I need to be in a place where I'm reminded that there's hope. We gather for all kinds of different reasons. And I hope this morning, as we look at the Bible together, that you will be reminded of why we gather. That God would do something in your heart and your mind today that would change the way that you connect with the church. Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 24 through 25. I call these the Jim Leahy verses. Jim loves these verses, and he has preached many a great sermon on these verses. 24 and 25. Here's what it says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love in good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. And we'll finish out those verses in just a few minutes. In the last couple of months, there was a new book released called The Great Dechurching. The Great Dechurching. And this book has revealed some statistics that have been built up through research over the last few years. And what these researchers have found, and they are believers, they're Christians, pastors, they've done this research, and they've released this book called The Great Dechurching. And what they found out is over the last 25 years, 40 million people in America have stopped attending church. It is the greatest religious shift that's ever happened in our country. Over the last 25 years, 40 million people have stopped attending church. Do you want to know the number one reason a person stopped attending church? When they went through these statistics, there's all kinds of reasons. The number one reason they stopped going is they moved. It was the number one reason. They, they relocated. They moved. They went somewhere else. And what happens? We get out of the habit. We get stuck in between seasons of life. We get stuck in a move. We get stuck because something changes in our season of life. Something changes in our relationship. We go somewhere else and we get out of the habit. We never get reconnected. The same research has shown that over 50% of people who have stopped going to church said that all it would take for them to come back is one invitation from a friend or somebody they know. Now, it's more complicated than that. There's a lot of other reasons that people stop going to church, but we are living through a radical shift in the way people think about faith and church, and it's only accelerating. It's not slowing down. Those statistics are not improving or going the other direction. And we need to think through what this means for our students and our kids and our college students. They're growing up in a time 
where all of their numbers tend to go high in terms of spirituality, but go very low in terms of trusting churches and institutions. So they are interested in spiritual things, but over their lifetime, they've just come to have a very low view of church or institutions. And you say, well, they should get their act together. Well, do you know what they've seen from churches and institutions? Like, you can look around and see where some of that, uh, some of those negative feelings come from. Some of the reasons they would say, I just don't trust a church. I just, I don't trust this institution. And when you look around at our culture, a lot of people have faith, but it's a faith that they put together individually. They take a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And what we're trying to ask is, what do these verses in the book of Hebrews, what do these verses say to our lives about being part of church? Does it matter that you connect to a church? Does it matter that you gather with people once a week on Sunday to worship? Where does this fit into our lives? How do we make sense of this? So what we need to do is we need to back up a few verses, okay? We need to back up to verse 19. Let's back up, kind of get a little bit of a running start at this. What's the background that leads into these verses that we're looking at this morning? Look at verse 19 and 20. Key transition in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing the work that Jesus has done. What has Jesus done for us? We see that he gave his life for us. Verse 21, and then it continues. There's another statement. And since we have a great high priest, a great priest over the house of God, all of these phrases are bringing in the whole book of Hebrews up to this point, reminding us that our faith, our confidence is found in what Jesus has done for us, not what we've done or not done. It's found in what Jesus has done. And because of what Jesus has done, what do we know? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Going to church does not make you a Christian. We understand that. Going to church does not make you a Christian. But when you become a Christian, you become a part of the church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but becoming a Christian makes you a part of the church. And we, and we might even say it this way. We don't go to church because of guilt. We are the church because of grace. We don't go to church because of guilt. We are the church because of grace. Because of what God has done in our lives, we are made part of the people of God. And students, I have to tell you, I think this is the difference maker for your transition from high school to college. Because if in high school, going to church is an activity that you do, then when you get out of high school, you can decide whether or not to do that activity. However, if in high school, you see yourself as part of the church, part of the body of Christ because of God's grace in your life, then that's just who you are. And so when you transition to college, you don't have to decide, am I going to go to church or not? I am a part of God's people. I'm a part of the church, and so I'm going to find a place to connect. Here's something that might be helpful for you. You may have heard this before, but I found this really helpful in my life. When you think about the word church in the New Testament, you think about capital C church. So if you were to capitalize the word church, capital C, H-U-R-C-H, or church, that stands for all believers in all places at all times. So when you become a Christian, you are made part of the church, the capital C church. At the same time, when you read through the New Testament, 
the word church is almost always used in reference to a local gathering of believers. And we would use that as lowercase c, church. So are you part of the church, capital C? If you have trusted in Jesus for salvation, you are absolutely part of the church, the body of Christ, all believers. Are you a part of the church, lowercase c? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we would say that the New Testament knows nothing of an unchurched Christian. In the New Testament, when you're looking at the development of the church, the development of the Christian faith, to be a part of the Christian faith, to be a follower of Jesus, is to be connected to a local group of believers. And, and let me say one more thing before we move on to these verses, because this, this is important to point out. This is why simply gathering with your biological family is not the same as gathering with your physical family. And let me say, I don't mean to be offensive, I'm not trying to cause trouble, let me just say, we value the biological family. If you don't think so, remember this row of people <laughs> up here. Like, we, we value the family. Strong churches are made up of strong families. Like, that, that's a reality. But if you're going to say, we just gather at home just with our family to have some Bible study or to watch a sermon, friends, that is not what it means to be a part of the church. When we are made part of the church, Jesus says his mother and brothers and sisters are those who do his will, who are brought together in his name. And so to be a part of the church is to be gathered in the name of Jesus, not just in your last name. And so when we are made part of the church, we are brought together with all of these other people who have put their faith in Jesus as well. And the question is, if that's true, if we're made part of the family of Jesus, what do those kind of people do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 23. How about verse 22? I almost skipped verse 22. How about verse 22? What do those people do? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We've talked about this before the people of God are drawn together in prayer and praise. Now verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. What do people of God do? They gather in the name of Jesus, his, his way, his truth, his life. Our lives are oriented to him, and we hold fast to that. How do you do those things? Now verse 24. Verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This morning, if you like to take notes, and I love how our students take notes, and I know many of you do uh, as well, there are four things I want you to see about what it means to be a part of a church. So if you like to take notes, it's what does it mean to be a part of a church, and then it's one, two, three, four. Number one from these verses is that we would consider others before ourselves. So if you write it like it's on the screen, consider others before yourself. For me personally, this last week, I had one of those moments, I know you guys are familiar with this, where you're studying the Bible, and you see something, and you're like, I know that's always been there, but I've never seen it before, okay? So you read the Bible, and you're like, I know I've read these verses before, I know I've been there before. I had one of those moments this last week, and, and this was probably, for me personally, studying these verses, the most convicting part, and, and also the most helpful part. If you just read out what I've written on the screen up there, and let us consider one another how to stir up to love and good works. You're like, that doesn't exactly match the order of words that you might see in your Bible or in your phone. That's true. The way the Bible is put together, though, the way the words are related in Greek, this word, let us consider, 
is directly connected to the word for one another. And you're like, Owen, you better explain why this matters because I'm not following you. Okay, here's why it matters. What is the command that's given here? The command is that when we are part of the church, one of the things that we do in the church, in fact, the primary thing we do in the church is we pay attention to each other. Our primary job when we gather as the church is to consider or to pay attention to one another. Now, when we walk into a room like this, inevitably, this is not bad. I'm not making you feel guilty. It's just the reality. I feel the same way. When we walk into a room like this, we are often thinking, where am I going to sit? Am I going to like this service or not? Am I going to get anything out of the preaching or the music? We come in, and inevitably, just because of who we are, those are the first things we're thinking. Um, I know we made things on hard on many of you that sit in the stadium seating because we replaced light bulbs a few weeks ago, and so some of our dark areas disappeared, and so uh, we also ended up with some weird spotlights up there as well, so sorry about that if you find yourself up there, but uh, we also have lighting up there, and so sometimes people walk in, the first thing they're thinking is, where can I sit so I will be least likely to have to interact with a bunch of people? Now, there may be, for those of us who are introverts, there's a certain strategy involved in that, okay? We understand that. Here's what I want you to know. As the church, when we gather together, your primary question when you come on Sunday morning is, Lord, who do I need to pay attention to this morning? Who do I need to consider? Who do I need to think about that I would consider others more than I would consider myself, that I would seek to know and serve and care for someone? Emmaus, you're so good at this. Like, this is a gift about, of being a part of a church like this. And we can get better as well. It should be almost impossible for someone to come into a church gathering and sit by themselves. Now, somebody may want to sit by themselves. That's a different thing. We totally understand that. Like, if you're sitting by yourself, we understand that completely. That may be your desire. But that you would come in and someone would notice you. Someone would say, I want to pay attention to that person. Now, don't do it in the awkward, freaky, makes them want to leave sort of way, okay? So uh, don't, don't make it awkward on someone, but just the fact that says, you say, I see you. I notice you. I value you. I care for you. I want to hear more about how God is working in your lives, in your life. Now, if you notice somebody, what's the purpose of that? Well, it's found in the next, the next part of that verse. What are we supposed to do? that we would consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This word stir up is a, is a pretty fun word in the New Testament because it can have a negative side to it, which has to do with the idea of pushing somebody's buttons to make them angry or to drive them away from you. So kids, teenagers in the room, uh, many of you value your skill and ability to um, push your parents' buttons, like you know what to say, you know what to do to make them angry and rile them up. Uh, so this idea of stirring up is provoking someone or inciting someone to take a particular action. But if you take it in a positive way, if you take it in a positive way, this word is about helping someone who is sitting still to begin to take action. In the church, we want to pay attention to each other for what purpose? 
so that we can help activate the faith of the people around us. So we can help take someone who feels stuck in their faith and help them to move forward in their faith. If we are doing church well together, we see someone, we care for them, and then we help that person move forward in their faith. What does it look like to move forward in your faith? Well, it means to show love and to do good works. If you just show love but you don't do good works, that's like a really mushy, sentimental form of Christianity. And if you do good works but you don't have love, that's a really legalistic, grumpy, no, much, no fun form of Christianity. Like we are called to be loving people who also put our faith into action by doing these good works. And so here's the question you have to ask as part of the church. Here's the question you have to ask. Who in this church is becoming more loving and doing more good works because God has put me in their life? Who in this church is becoming more loving and is putting their faith into action because I've paid attention to them? I've cared for them. I've tried to connect with them and help them to take these steps of faith. This also means that for every one of us, our Christian life over time, we should become more loving, and we should do more good works, uh, which means that in our Christian life, if we are becoming grumpy and lazy, we're going the wrong direction, okay? So in the Christian life, we should grow in love, and we should grow in good works, and how do we do that? We do it together. We need people that come around us and say, I'm going to help you take these steps. I'm going to help you move forward. How do you do that? Well, verse 25 tells us. How do you help someone move toward love and good works? What does verse 25 say? It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Not neglecting to meet together. That when we are the people of God, our default, our desire is that we would gather with the people of God. Now we need to hear this, for, this verse. And I was talking with Amanda this week about this, this particular verse. This verse hits differently if you grew up in a church where you weren't encouraged to attend church. If you grew up having to make your own way to church, having to find a ride. I think about our teenagers who maybe mom and dad drops them off, maybe mom and dad doesn't even care if they come or not, and they find a way to get here. Or you think about someone who comes and their spouse doesn't want to come with them, but they still find a way to get here. This idea for some of us who grew up in church going three or four times a week <laughs> to church, when you grew up in that kind of environment, going to church all the time, if we're not careful, we begin to take going to church for granted. We begin to take gathering with God's people for granted. And we need to hear from our brothers and sisters around the world who it's a big deal when they're able to gather together. We need to hear from our teenagers and our students what it means, how important it is that they have church when they don't have their faith supported at home. We need to hear from our older friends and our homebound friends because I talk to people who want to be here, who would give anything to be able to gather with God's people, but because of their health or because of work or because of caring for a loved one, they can't do that. And we have to do a good job. We have to do even a better job in growing this area. How do we care for people who want to gather with the church but just aren't able because they would give anything to be here? We want to gather together, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. And man, it is easy to get out of the habit of going to church. You miss a week, you miss another week, 
And you had good reasons for missing those first two weeks. And then you miss a third week and a fourth. And before you know it, those habits start to change. The desires in your heart start to change. And you say, I know I should be there. I, even if you asked me, I would tell you I want to be there. I just got stuck in this habit. I just got out, out, of, the, out of the habit of it. And parents, let me tell you, I know with your kids, just the fact that you make it here on Sunday mornings is like this incredible miracle. And it's, it's incredible that you make it here with your kids. Your kids pick up on those habits. Your kids pick up on your values. And let me be the first to say we value the idea that you get to connect with youth sports. We want you to go on vacation. We realize that your kids are sick all the time. Like we, we get all of that. Nothing but grace for all of that. But you get to help shape those values and habits that your kids are going to have when they think about what it means to be a part of the church. Quick, uh, two quick commercials here in a second. But commercial number one would be this last week, I put together a document that if you're struggling with your family's attendance at church because of sports or work or vacations or going to the lake or things like that, I put together a document that I hope would be helpful to you. And I'm going to email that out this week. So if you get my church-wide email, that's going to come out. I've also made a few copies, and we'll put it out in the lobby. But we want to have that available to you. When we think about gathering with the church, a lot of times it's going to be Sunday morning, 1045, gathering like this. But let me tell you as well, when it says not neglecting to meet together, Sunday school, small groups, even better, around the fire pit at somebody's home, over a cup of coffee, moms getting together in the kitchen just to talk as their kids play. The people of God meeting together is going to look a lot of different ways in different times, and we need all of those things to bring us together. Here's my commercial. If you're not connected to a church, we've got a couple of opportunities coming up at Emmaus for ways that you can get connected here at church. December 3rd, we have something called the Discover Emmaus Lunch. Guys, is that up there? Yeah, thank you for that. December 3rd, at noon, we have a free lunch for people who are looking for ways to get connected at church, and it's called Discover Emmaus. If you would like to be a part of that, there's an old school guest card in the seat back in front of you. There's a QR code you can use on the seat back. Just come and let me know about this. Reach out to me. We'd love for you to be a part of this. Emmaus is not going to be the right church for everyone. We, there are so many good churches in this area. We're super biased toward Emmaus, like we love this place. There's a lot of reasons I think you would want to be here, and we would want you to be here. But if you just say, I've got to take a step, like I have to move toward getting connected to a church, use that lunch on December 3rd. Also, December 10th, that second Sunday of the month at 9.15, we have our membership class. And so if you've been around for a while and say, I haven't taken a step, like I I need to be accountable, I need to get involved, this can be hard, especially if you're coming out of hard church experiences, or you're just trying to find the right place, but you need to take that step and just ask some questions. Get involved in, in that way. Okay, point number one, consider others. When you come to church, your main goal is not finding a seat. Your main goal is paying attention to other people. Number two is this idea that you would activate the faith of others. You would help others put their, put their faith into action. Number three is we're going to gather together. Number four is we are going to encourage one another. Look at the end of verse 25. So not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When you work through these verses in Hebrews chapter 10, you might ask yourself, 
why were the people struggling to meet together? Like, why is the preacher telling them they need to meet together? What's going on? There were two reasons that the people were not meeting together in this situation. One was because of persecution. They were being persecuted. Uh, some of them even put in prison for their faith. Some of them were becoming apathetic. They were just lazy. They were getting out of the habit. They didn't want to live out their faith. And so they were being persecuted, and, and some were just falling into this apathy. It doesn't really matter if I go to church. It doesn't really matter what I believe. And, and so the, the preacher is pushing back against this, saying, all the more as you see the day drawing near, the reality that one day Jesus is coming back. One day our life on this planet will come to an end as we know it now. There is an urgency to faith in our lives, and we need people who will encourage one another. What does it mean to encourage somebody? If you've been around Emmaus, you probably know this, and you could teach this to somebody else, but if you're not familiar with this, there's a really great way to understand the word encourage in the Bible. The word encourage in the Bible can mean arm around the shoulder to comfort someone, and it can mean hand in the back to challenge or redirect someone. So what does it mean to encourage someone? It means to come around and put your arm around their shoulder and say, I am with you, I care for you, and we will walk with you. We will walk with your family, we will walk with your, with your friends, we'll walk with you and your children through whatever you're going with. We are here for you, we wanna comfort you. And we also need people at times to put their hand gently, hopefully, in our back and say, you gotta get going. Like, your life is not going in the right direction. This path you're going down, I've been down that path. I know where it leads, and you don't want to go that way. So gently, that hand in the back saying, go this way. Follow after Jesus. Those are the kind of people that we need around us. How can you do that? How can you encourage one another? Well, one of the ways you encourage people is when you gather just to participate. That you would pray, that you would praise God. I've told you guys several times about my dad. I don't remember a lot about church growing up. Um, what I do remember, though, is my dad had his Bible open. My dad had his hymnal open, and he was singing, and he was praying, and he was responding to the sermon, and he was serving people, and that's what I remember. When you participate in worship, when you participate and live out your faith, man, it's an encouragement to people around you to say, they're going to follow after Jesus. I want to follow after Jesus as well that you would come alongside people and say, I am here for you, I care for you. We live in a day, we live in a day where when people think about church, the thoughts that they have, the emotions they have tend to be super negative. The church gets terrible publicity, and sometimes rightfully so, we walk ourselves into that at times. When people think about church, they think about it as a burden, they think about it as a negative thing. One of the things we're trying to do at Emmaus is we are trying to push back against that, and we are trying to say to you in the most direct, loving way, church can be such a good gift in your life. That when you gather with the people of God, it does something in your soul, it does something in your heart and your mind, it will change how you live, but it only works as if we are coming to say, I want to care for people around me. I want to pay attention to them. I want to encourage them. Let's wrap all the way back around to that first slide. I attended a church gathering today or watched online because Jesus is coming back one day, that that day is drawing near, that my life is short and will come to an end, and I need to be reminded where my hope is found. 
I attended a church gathering today because people need encouragement. People are beat up and discouraged. I attended a church gathering today because I'm in the habit of doing that. I want to gather with the people of God. I attended a church gathering today because there was someone there that I needed to consider, someone there that I needed to pay attention to and encourage. I attended a church gathering today because Jesus has changed my life, because I've experienced his grace and his salvation, and it has changed everything about how I live, and I want to live my life completely devoted to him, and I need people around me to help me on that journey. As we wrap up this morning, I've invited Brittany Woodward out here, and Brittany's going to come out. Brittany, you probably don't have a mic yet, do you? Let me get that mic for you. Guys, I grabbed the one that has the green on it. Um, I've invited Brittany out here because I've seen in her family both sides of this, a family who is devoted to the church that loves and encourages people, my family especially included, but also a family who has needed the encouragement of the church. Like they live out what it means both to come and to pay attention to others and to have other people walk alongside them. And what Brittany is going to do for us as we wrap up is she's going to read through a monologue that was given at the end of a podcast I listened to recently. Trevin Wax has a podcast called Reconstructing Faith. And at the end of this podcast, he had this beautiful monologue about what it means to be a part of a church. And I want you to listen. Words will be up here on the screen. Brittany's going to read this. I want you to listen. Deep breath. Just meditate on why does church matter? Why does God call us together in the church? And what am I supposed to do as a result of that? Listen as Brittany reads, and then I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Picture the scene. It's Sunday. A deacon unlocks the door. An usher picks up a stack of bulletins. A pastor kneels in the study, and they wait. Soon the parking lot fills, and people from all walks of life stream into the building for weekly worship. They are not paid to be here. They're not forced to be here, yet they come and serve in beautiful ways. In the nursery, volunteers change diapers without complaints, step in to mediate the toddler's dispute over sippy cups, and dole out a weekly supply of animal crackers. Down the hall, men and women open their Bibles and discuss the meaning and application of God's inspired word. A doctor with more than a decade of education in medicine takes notes as a construction worker who never went to college exercises his gift in teaching the scriptures. The classes then rearrange their space in preparation for the families, the school groups, the neighbors and nations who will gather and connect throughout the week. As the church gathers, this is a place of music where hundreds of voices soar to the ceilings and the echo of praise hovers over the people. A man who can't carry a tune lifts his kid up on the seat in front of him and sings along anyway. Some raise their hands, some kneel, some close their eyes, some look to heaven. Various postures all united in worship. Then they pray for the lost, the sick, the hurting in their community. In this moment, the people's concern for their city is like the ocean tide gathering up its waves of compassion into this place of prayer before rolling their acts of mercy into their city throughout the week. The pastor opens the Bible. 
The sermon exalts the Savior and exhorts the saints. Yes, they are saints, all of them, even with their ongoing sins and struggles, their failures and flaws. They are washed in the blood of a spotless lamb, forgiven, adopted, and made new. This is not a crowd, it's a church, a people who have been called out of the world and changed by grace. Time stands still as these people are carried back to their Savior's cross and ushered forward to his return. At the benediction, the dawn of resurrection morning has given way to the sunlight of noonday. Energized and equipped, the blood-bought saints go out. It may seem like the service is over, but the truth is their service is just beginning. Would you bow with me? Father, we gather in this place only because of the name of Jesus. We gather because of what Jesus has done for us, for this world. God, we gather here because of grace, not because of guilt. We gather here as your people. We gather here as a family, as a spiritual family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, I pray if there's anyone here and they would hear this sermon, they would hear these verses this morning and and their main response would be, I need to attend church more, more. God, draw them back to Jesus. Our goal is not a bigger list of church members. Our goal is a group of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. God, would you do that work in our church? God, thank you for the gift of this place. Thank you for the gift of these people. God, when we gather as Emmaus, may we pay attention to one another. May we encourage one another. And God, as we go out into the world, we go out as your people. God, we want to live our lives completely devoted to you. And Father, I pray that if you have brought anyone here this morning and and they know they need to take that step, they've they've gotten disconnected from church life, they, they haven't been serving, they haven't been involved in the way they should, God, I pray that they would be encouraged to do that, that they would take that step. And God, last of all, I pray for people who are in this room. And they came in this room hurting. Life's been hard. Maybe physical pain or, or some, something going on in a relationship or a family. And, and they could come and they can hear a sermon about the church and, and, and almost be a little frustrated by that. Like, how does that pertain to their life? God, I pray if anyone came in here and, and they just are hurting, that they would know that one of your greatest gifts in their life is the gift of people who love and care for them. In our pain, we can disconnect from the church, but what you are calling us to is to come back to your people because there we find hope and we find healing and we find people who point us to Jesus. And God, I pray that would be true for Emmaus. God, even though the service might be over, we pray that you would send us out to serve you and to serve others in the name of Jesus. Amen.